To those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, and to our members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace. From God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, amen. The word of God upon which we base our message on this 18th Sunday after Pentecost is the gospel for today. You heard it read before from Luke chapter 17. I recall just these words. As he went into a village, ten men with a skin disease met him. They stood at a distance and shouted, Jesus, teacher, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he told them, show yourselves to the priests. As they went, they were made clean. In the name of our dear Lord Jesus Christ, whose blood cleanses us from all sin, my beloved. This morning I want to talk about mysteries. Probably most of us, when you hear the word mystery, you think of that book, that novel, Who Done It? And you got to read the whole uh, novel till you come to the end. You say, oh, now I get it. Now I see what happened. A lot of mysteries in life. Um, if I were to ask uh, most of you, probably, how many grandchildren do I have? You wouldn't know. It's a mystery to you. But when I say, I have 13 grandchildren, oh, it's no longer a mystery because now you know. If I say, I've done this exercise, by the way, with uh, kids in my uh, catechism class, too. If I say, what was the color of the very first car I ever owned? You wouldn't know. But if I told you it was turquoise, now it's no longer a mystery. True mysteries are something that we know, but we still can't understand. I think everybody recognizes that we live in a great universe. You can look, look up and see the moon, the sun, the stars. Scientists tell us there's light years of space out there with many more suns. We know that, we can see it, but it's a mystery because nobody's been way out there. It's the same way with the ocean. We've, we've measured it now, sonar, whatever. We know how deep the deepest part of the ocean is. But nobody really knows what's down there. We know the depths of the ocean are a fact, but it's still a mystery. And how about the Holy Trinity? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one and one in three. Well, we know that's God. Who we... But you can't really understand how someone can be three and one at the same time. This morning, we want to contemplate another mystery of God. And if we don't look into this mystery, you really can't catch the true impact of Jesus' miracle of healing the men with that skin disease. One of the mysteries of God was his Old Testament religious ceremonies. He demanded them only from his chosen people. Before electronic technology with all of our smart screens and our special watches and our iPhones and everything else, God wanted to give his people some visual aids. 
It was God's way of saying, I want to paint a picture for you. And he did that through a lot of the religious ceremonies. Example, sacrifices. One of the sacrifices God demanded his people, I want you to bring a cute little one-year-old male lamb, and I want you to slit its throat, and it'll bleed to death, and then I want you to burn it on an altar. And I want you to do that day after day after day to get rid of your sins. What was God doing? Why, he was painting a picture of an ultimate substitutionary sacrifice who would come in the future taking away sins forever and ever and for all, of course, the person of Jesus Christ. Now, if you ask, why did God do it that way in the Old Testament? I'll say, I don't know. It's a mystery, but it's a fact. Now, the words before us this morning talk about uh, Jesus having a conversation with uh, 10 men who had a skin disease. Now, we don't know if that skin disease was leprosy or dermatitis or psoriasis or ringworm or eczema. Really don't know. All I do know is that God always pictured skin diseases as a picture of sin. Skin diseases are ugly. They spread. Many times they're incurable. They make a perfect body imperfect. They're undesirable. If you ever contracted a skin disease in the Old Testament, you were immediately ostracized from your family, from the camp, from the city. You had to wear old, torn clothes. You couldn't comb your hair. And anytime everybody, anybody came near you, you had to say, unclean, unclean, stay away, stay away. In the Old Testament, God designated certain things as clean and other things as unclean. Now, that doesn't mean that certain things were dirty and some things were not dirty. What it, what it meant was if something was considered unclean, it was not acceptable to God. If something was designated as being clean, why, that was acceptable to God. God said, I don't want you to eat any pork in the Old Testament. It's unclean. That's a no-no. On the other hand, beef, that's clean, and you can eat that. That's acceptable to me. People with skin diseases were considered unclean, not acceptable to God. And the worst part of having a skin disease in the Old Testament uh, was not that it was uncomfortable, but it separated you from your family, from the people of your city. That was God's picture language. Let me paint you a picture. Sin separates you from me. Now for the second part of God's picture of skin diseases that he painted for his people. If a skin disease healed itself, because back then, you know, they didn't have a whole lot of medications for skin diseases, but if it healed itself, then you couldn't just pick up where you left off and go back living in your city and with your family once again. You had to undergo a long ritualistic ceremony to get back into the city. You had to go and see God's designated priests to get a diagnosis in fact, there are 21 different diagnoses in the book of Leviticus in Scripture. 
if your skin disease cleared up, the priests had to declare you clean and acceptable to God once again. But there was still a whole lot of uh, lengthy ritual that you had to go through. Listen to it from Leviticus chapter 14. These are the instructions for making a person clean after a skin disease. He must be taken to the priest. The priest will go outside the camp and examine him, not inside. If the person is healed, the priest will order someone to get two living, clean birds. Some cedar wood, red yarn, and hyssop sprig uh, to use for the cleansing. Then the priest will order someone to kill one bird. In the blood of the bird that was killed, um, over, uh, they will mix it with fresh water. He will sprinkle the blood seven times on the one to be cleansed and will declare that person clean. Then he will let the other living bird fly away. The one to be cleansed must wash his clothes, shave off all his hair, and seven days he will live outside the tent. On the seventh day, he must shave off all the hair from his head, his beard, his eyebrows, and he must wash his clothes and body. Then he will, he will be clean. And then it goes on to say, then he has to bring two male lambs and one female, and he has to sacrifice one, shed its blood, and die. And after all of that, then the person could be declared clean. You notice how you finally got cleansed? By blood and death and washing with water. Blood and water. It's kind of interesting when Jesus hung on the cross and the centurions jabbed him with his, uh, his spear, blood and water came out of Jesus' side. Maybe also it's a reference to the New Testament, the sacrament of the altar. We receive Jesus' body and blood and we wash by holy baptism. But you see, now you really get the impact of Jesus' miracle. Go and show yourselves to the priests. They're going to have to go through all that long ceremony. And as they walked, they were healed. Now, I don't know how Jesus did that miracle, except that I know he's the almighty, powerful son of God. But I do know that those ten men were acceptable to God once again. Which brings us this morning to the last mystery that we want to consider. And that mystery is you. Why are you here today believing that a substitutionary bloody death of Jesus Christ and a washing of water with holy baptism saves you and makes you acceptable to God? It's a fact that you are here, but you are still a mystery. Why did God choose you to be a believer in Jesus Christ, to become his child? You certainly didn't choose him. Why did he choose you? You know what the answer is? I don't know. It's a mystery. In fact, the only thing that Scripture tells us in the New Testament is, according to the pleasure of his goodwill. Just like God told, chose his Old Testament Israel to be his special chosen people from whom a Savior would be born, not because of anything that they did, but because of his great love and grace to them, to keep his promises to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Matthew chapter 13. Knowledge about the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you. 1 Corinthians 4. 
people should think of us as servants of Christ and managers who are entrusted with God's mysteries. What are God's mysteries that you have been entrusted with? Knowing that God has created the universe. Knowing that Jesus has redeemed the world through his, his blood and resurrection. Knowing that the Holy Spirit has sanctified you and made you holy through faith in Jesus Christ. And all that God wants you to do with those mysteries is to believe them and to share them with others. That's all he wants you to do. Why did God Almighty love us so much that he was willing to shed the blood and kill his own son as punishment for our sins? And I'll answer you, I don't know. Why did he do it that way? The blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanses us from all sins. Why did he do it that way? Why did he choose you to be his child? I don't know, but he did. And that's a mystery. And that's a miracle. And that's a fact. For all of which it is my duty to thank and praise, to serve and obey him. Romans chapter 11. God's riches, wisdom, and knowledge are so deep that it is impossible to explain his decisions or to understand his ways. Who knows how the Lord thinks? Who can become his advisor? Who gave the Lord something which the Lord must pay back? Everything is from him and by him and for him. Glory belongs to him forever and ever. And now I think you understand verse 2 of the hymn that we sung before the, the message this morning. Come in poverty and meanness. Come defiled without within. From infection and uncleanness from the leprosy of sin. Wash your robes and make them white. Ye shall walk with God in light. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.